we're getting a new manufacturer who's made a sample for us. And he wrote back an email and the subject headline was very unusual pant. <laughs> By using principles of universal design for all of our products, it does mean pretty much anyone can wear them. People are experts in their own accessibility needs. You just need to ask the question. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. As humans, we are all unique. But there are certain things that we do share. This includes the irresistible urge to lick the bottom of a shapes packet when we get there, searching for coupon codes at checkout, and finding excess tagging on clothing really annoying. I think we can all relate. Well, to the last one at least. But imagine if the way that mainstream clothing was designed was fundamentally wrong for you and your body. It would take that annoying feeling to a whole new level of frustration. My guests today have seen this problem time and time again and have actually built a business to solve it. Molly Rogers and Emma Clegg are the co-founders of Jam the Label. They're producing adaptive and inclusive fashionable clothing. Both Molly and Emma are actually occupational therapists by trade with extensive experience in disability support. And in their jobs, they were witnessing daily struggles with mainstream garments. And despite having no experience in the fashion industry, they launched Jam the Label in 2019 and took part in this year's Australian Fashion Week and have recently partnered with The Iconic. In this chat, we discuss the solutions that Molly and Emma have come up with to meet the needs of adaptive fashion. We also talk about the mainstream brands who are doing it best in this space and what tech applications e-commerce businesses can implement to really nail inclusivity. And as you all hear, Jam makes clothing for everyone. So if you see something that you like on their website, Molly and Emma are giving Add to Cart listeners 10% off. Listen out for the code at the end of the chat. Sorry, I can't help you out with getting the flavor out of the bottom of the shapes box though. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio. Here's our conversation with Molly Rogers and Emma Clegg from Jam the Label. Emma, Molly, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> so good that you are here with us today and I can't wait for our conversation, but it was really interesting the way we were connected. So to give everyone context who is listening, I met your partners, Chris and Dave, <laughs> at the Add to Cart meetup and had a few beers with them. Great company. Thank you to Georgia at Impact who introduced us. She, she dragged me over. I was I was furiously like writing on people's wrists because I'd run out of wristbands because we'd run out of room in the venue. So I was just like writing on people's wrists so they could get drinks at the bar. And Georgia grabs me and goes, stop handing out stuff. Come and meet these two. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, um, the ring-ins, yeah. The ring-ins. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, I go, oh, we don't really do much, but our partners, <laughs> they do a lot. <laughs> I know, and then we were getting, I got a text from a drunk Dave saying, I've got you on a podcast, no worries, Nathan's great, like, you're going to get this person, we've met that person, and we're like, oh, what are you doing? But yeah. it networking. helped us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. BDMs. there you go. 
<laughs> so where were you guys when all that was happening? We were at a much more less drunken dinner. <laughs> you, you were going to say a much more sophisticated dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were getting yeah, we were getting texts from everywhere. It sounded like the event of the um of the festival. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty silly. I'm pretty good at e-commerce and I can do podcasts. I can't do events. Yeah. <laughs> no, they had a they had a great time. They <laughs> loved it. It was great fun. All right, so let's get into it. I um so they were telling me about Jam the Label, which is obviously the label that you've founded and I was just blown away by what you've done so far and it's obviously still early stages but for everyone listening can you tell everyone what Jam the Label is and why you started it? Yeah so Jam is an inclusive clothing brand which means that all of our products have design features that enable people with disability to get dressed more easily or wear our products more comfortably. So Molly and I are both occupational therapists that work in the disability sector And we're also disability support workers. And when we were at uni together studying to become OTs, Molly worked with a young boy called Jack and I worked with a young girl called Maddie. And we decided that they didn't, sorry, we didn't have to choose between function and fashion when we were young teenagers or young adults. So why should Jack and Maddie? So we created Jam after Jack and Maddie. Beautiful. And was there a specific type of accessibility problem that you went after first or was it we've got to tackle this whole thing yeah so the sort of first thing we emma and i would always talk about was that obviously we're from melbourne so the weather changes very quickly and one of the main things we would do with jack and maddie was go for walks so jack and i'd be out walking and the weather would obviously change very quickly and i'd need to sort of whack a jacket on him quite quickly and sort of help him with that but getting a jacket onto jack he's a wheelchair user and has sort of straps and supports at the sides of his wheelchair and all sorts of different things in the way that make putting a jacket on very difficult so i could sort of pop my jacket on really easily but for jack i'd often have to either put a hoodie on sort of backwards and have the hood hanging down the front just because i was like oh it's really cold let's just pop this on or have a blanket over him and yeah and emma and i were always just like that's so sort of degrading and not like that's not I don't walk around with a blanket over me when I'm out in public, so why should Jack have to? So the first item we created was a jacket that's designed to be put on and taken off really easily when someone's sitting in their wheelchair. Beautiful. And how did Jack respond when you showed him that first design? (laughs) He did. He tried on the first sample, which was just sort of we went and bought materials from Spotlight or somewhere and we're like, let's just get this happening. And we've got some pictures where he's just yet grinning from ear to ear and loves the fact that we've, yeah, it was for him. So yeah, I'm Maddie. Yeah. (laughs) And so how do you go from OTs to fashion designers though? Good question. (laughs) Yeah, we're still learning, still figuring that one out. I think the biggest part that really helped us was that we had that functional background. So, you know, we would look at clothing that was trendy or that we were wearing and think, well, how can we make this more functional? What, you know, are the dressing needs? What are the dressing difficulties so many people are facing and that we're getting feedback on? And how can we make that more accessible? So because we had that access sort of expertise and knowledge, it actually helped a lot towards the design process. However, we also lent really heavily on experts in design, I mean, you know, working with businesses that help small fashion brands be able to come up with samples or, you know, simple designs and really just nutting it out together on, this is how we think this could work. Can that actually work? And just sort of figuring out along as we go. But, you know, we were very well, fortunate in a way that the products we've created so far have been sort of at our essentials and our basics. So it didn't rely really heavily on having a really in-depth knowledge of the design process. 
Um, however, going forward, we want to be able to create more sort of funky fashion forward products. And so we're going to be hiring a fashion designer to come on board to assist us with that because obviously that's not where our expertise lies. That's exciting. And am I right in saying that it's focused primarily on more youth fashion? Yeah, so young people. So yeah, 18 to 35-ish, we say, is sort of our base range because that's where people are sort of starting to shop for themselves or sort of wanting to express themselves most through fashion. Mustard made make lockers. Get that? Mustard made made lockers. Mustard made make lockers. Mustard made make lockers. But these aren't your typical old sandwich in the back Pam Anderson poster on the inside lockers. These are beautiful, bright lockers that are in demand all over the world. So in demand that when Mustard Made went to expand from the AU and UK into the US, they needed a platform that would handle the expansion. And down the hallway skates Shopify Plus. Mustard Made implemented Shopify Plus in just two weeks, including a new wishlist feature, upsell features in cart, and personalized product recommendations. The result was a successful US launch and an increase in average order value of 15%. That takes them straight to the top of the class. To read more of Mustard Made's story and see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. In hearing you talk in the research that I've done, and it might surprise listeners that I actually do research. (laughs) (laughs) Very professional, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's right. Uh, You mentioned that one in five Australians have a disability, which was a much higher number than what I thought. Can you tell me around what are the common types of disabilities? Are they ones that we would immediately come to mind or is it other other disabilities and parts of accessibility that we may not even think about? Well, because it is one in five, exactly right, it's so broad. And I think a lot of people, when they think of disability in general, but also adaptive clothing or inclusive clothing, is people with physical disability or wheelchair users. However, because we've obviously worked in the disability sector for a long time, we understand that it is more than that. And so, you know, one really common one, which you don't just have to experience this to have a disability, is sensory irritations. So, for instance, someone with autism might be sensory defensive or just sensitive in general to tactile things. So things like tags can be really frustrating for someone with autism, but also everyone finds tags annoying. So that's one thing that, you know, of flat seams, we have flat seams on our top, again, to prevent that irritation. But then also for someone like Jack or Maddie, they don't have necessarily sensory differences. However, because of their reduced mobility and difficulties with communication, a tag could be really just annoying them like they do anyone, but they're unable to communicate what's annoying them. So we just get rid of the tags. So you really have a broad understanding of disability and really everyone in society is individuals and having individual needs and you design with that in mind, then you can meet a much broader range of customers and your customer needs. And how do you market this Uh, Like, and tell the story of all those features for different use cases? 
I think that's where it gets quite tricky for us because it is so, because we use sort of universal design principles and have all these things. So we're like, yeah, there's no tags, which is great for you, 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 you. So it's, it's sort of learning to share that message without sort of bombarding people with sort of lists and lists and lists of information. But that's where we, yeah, because it's inclusive fashion, our simple design features are so helpful for sort of a really wide range of people. So I think the marketing side of it and sort of getting that story out there, this benefits, yes, someone with autism, but it can also benefit all these other people as well is something that we're sort of still learning and sort of growing. And that's about educating the market as well, because people don't really know what inclusive or adaptive fashion is that much yet. And sort of when they hear it, they're like, oh, of course. But at the moment, it's sort of us being like, we do this it's helpful for these people because of this and it's sort of, yeah, lots of education. And I'm assuming you've taken this back to your OT friends and colleagues and shared what you've done. What are their thoughts when you show them what you've created? I think that every single person is like, yes, this is so cool. And as well, I think a lot of like things in disability or health haven't traditionally been cool. Like they're just sort of very functional. And so every OT we speak to or disability support workers like, this is amazing because it actually is like, funky and cool and yeah stuff that people want to wear so everyone just loves to tell everyone about it it spreads very quickly (laughs) so cool i was browsing the site and i was like i'd wear that i'd wear that Mm. do you find that you have all sorts like able-bodied people buying like it it doesn't feel like it's just yeah is it for everyone yes definitely and that is the whole purpose of being inclusive and not just for people with disability you know we're really strong on the thought that we want to provide inclusive options for people with disability within the mainstream fashion industry and not provide options that segregate them even further from the mainstream fashion industry so yeah by using universal sorry principles of universal design for all of our products it does mean pretty much anyone can wear them and like we both live in our jam we wear them every day and you know when our friends and family are buying the product that's one of the first things I say is like, oh, I didn't think this was for me. And then they put it on and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so good. It's so much quicker. It's so much more comfortable. And then, you know, they share that with the next person. And I think it is just around that education of people understanding that inclusive fashion includes everyone. It's not purposely going to segregate a certain group of people. The first time Dave tried, because Dave and Chris, obviously, we make them try on all of our samples and things. And the first time Dave tried on our shirts, which have magnetic closures instead of buttons, he was like, I'm never buying a shirt with buttons ever again because it's so, they just zip right up. Like it just pops (laughs) together and it's so quick and easy. So, yeah. That was weird because he was running around the pub with his shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) Good marketing for us. That's right. (laughs) And from, A community perspective, I could imagine that you're getting a lot of stories coming through around how your label is helping change lives in some small ways and some really big ways. Are there any stories apart from how you came up with the idea that have really stuck with you since launching? Mm, We've got one particular one. So a friend of mine, her boyfriend's a support worker and he bought a shirt, one of his clients, a magnetic shirt, and he gave it to him on the day of their Christmas party. And he said that the change, so the guy was quite sort of apprehensive beforehand and was a bit nervous about going to this Christmas party. But when he was able to sort of do his shirt up for the first time by himself, he was so proud and felt so cool and went to the party and was just like showing everyone his shirt and talking to everyone about his shirt. And he said it was just like, yeah, such a massive change and it sort of made his night. So yeah, I think it's stories like that where it's, it seems like such a small thing, but it makes such a difference to someone's yeah, self-expression and confidence and Yes, that was one really nice one. That's cool. 
And from a design perspective, have you come across problems from your community and they've gone, oh, I really, I can't do this or I'd love some clothing that would do this and it's really stumped you and gone, well, I don't know how to solve that. But you've eventually been able to overcome it with a solution that you haven't seen before. Has there been any of those cases? We're always asking for feedback constantly. And so we're, you know, weekly getting suggestions from people, which is what we want. We want input from the community on exactly what's needed. So we're always getting suggestions. And because we are a small business, obviously we've started with our basic range, but we're hoping as we grow, we'll be able to provide more and more solutions to all these problems because there are, there's so many and such an array of them. One that we always refer to when it was right when we started and we still haven't really come up with a solution for this is Jack's mum actually said to us at the start, like, oh, like if you can find a more less degrading and more adult sort of mature way to have a bib, Jack requires the use of a bib throughout the day. And so that's something that, you know, we've always continued to think about and we will continue to think about, but it's little things like that, that a lot of people may, may not consider. And, you know, Jack's about to finish high school, like, He's like any other 17-year-old that, yes, he might, he needs this piece of equipment or piece of clothing. However, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be daggy and degrading. So there's little things like that that we want to continue as we grow our business to really try and create fashionable solutions to. But it's just sort of one step at, the time, at a time at the moment. <laughs> and have you found that adding these features, whether it be taking tags off, magnetic buttons, that your cost of production is much higher than you typically expect from a typical fashion line or is it fairly comparable? In terms of cost, Emma, you'll be better to answer this, but I think the cost of our time is a lot. Like our sampling protest often takes a lot more time and especially we're manufacturing offshore at the moment. And so sort of the communication about what we're trying to do is quite Difficult sometimes because um, a lot of the manufacturers we work with don't really understand why we're doing what we're doing. We had one, we're creating, we're sort of rejigging our chino pants at the moment and we're getting a new manufacturer who's made a sample for us. And he wrote back an email and the subject headline was very unusual pant <laughs> because <laughs> we've got like um, side access and zips in different places, but we were like, they're not unusual, they're inclusive. <laughs> we've got these things called buttons. Why can't you use buttons? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting because, yes, there definitely is a lot more time that goes into it and a lot more back and forth. And, you know, because we are a small business, the costs are a lot higher because our minimum order quantities are quite low. But in terms of actually incorporating the design features, I would not say it's drastically more expensive, which I think is something a lot of people are put off by, especially a lot of big companies say that one of the reasons they won't do adaptive or inclusive clothing is because of the extra cost, when really I think what it comes down to is the sort of knowledge and expertise, which Molly and I have that. So for us, you know, we bring that into the business and a lot of these larger brands don't have that. But yeah, in terms of the cost of the product, it's really similar cost to what any other small business would incur. It's the upfront effort and and thought that has to go into it. Exactly, yeah. So I saw the photo shoot that you did recently and it's a beautiful photo shoot. Anyone who visits the website will will see the results of it. But what I was really impressed by was you actually created some content out of it around how to create an accessible photo shoot. So 
Obviously, the photo shoot showed a really diverse range of people with diverse range of abilities, and it was beautifully done, but you've actually taken it to the next level to help educate others on photo shoots. So can you tell us around why you chose to do that and give us some tips around how to make things like photo shoots more accessible? Mm. I think a story we heard so frequently from our models and sort of the disability advocates and different people that we work with was that, you know, it's great when brands are including us, but often it feels quite like they're ticking a box because when I arrive on set or when I arrive at the photo shoot, my needs haven't been considered at all. We sort of had different people saying, you know, I'd arrive at a wheelchair user as a wheelchair user arrived and there was no accessible toilet. So I had to go across the road and up like, you know, around to find a toilet for me to use. So people are sort of just sort of plonking someone into the photo shoot to be like, we're including people with disability, but not sort of considering their accessibility needs. And it's so it's really quite simple. And as we sort of say in our video, it's quite simple to have these accessibility needs included because you just need to ask the question, really, because people are experts in their own accessibility needs. In terms of things to include, Emma, do you want to touch on this? Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things that we have to admit is that we've obviously got experience working in the disability sector for years and years and years. So you can kind of understand at sometimes why these bigger businesses that you think, oh, they have all the resources in the world, why can't they be accessible? Is because they're intimidated and they don't know where to start of just asking the person with lived experience, hey, what are your accessibility needs? And so we really wanted to put in the video, one, as Molly said, it's simple, you just need to ask, but who like yeah you don't need to be experts on like you don't need to be occupational therapists and experts on access you just need to be confident to know what to ask that person with their own expertise they're the experts of themselves and what kind of access and you can't assume anything so if I'm going to go to a model that is a wheelchair user I'm not going to assume that they need a particular type of bathroom or you know how wide the doors need to be or the entryways, I would say to them, hey, what are your access needs? Do you need this? Do you not need this? And they're going to be so much happier that we've asked than assuming or just completely excluding them. So I think that's really what we were trying to get across in the video is that one, yeah, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be experts in this. And it's really simple and you just need to ask the person and trust that they are the experts in their own access. Why do you think, whether it's photo, whether it's photo shoots or other things, why do you think people are so, uh, use your words, just not confident around engaging around those conversations? Like I even noticed myself, you, you kind of almost, you don't want to say the wrong thing because you don't want to offend everyone. And so I'm assuming, Emma, what you're saying is that because you don't want to offend anyone, you don't say anything. Therefore, the conversation doesn't get had, in which case you probably end up offending more people really badly. Yes, exactly. Is that why aren't we having these conversations openly and honestly? I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people are scared of sort of that like canceled culture. If you say one wrong thing, then the whole community will be against you. But I think that's the thing is that it is someone's going to be so much happier if you're like, hey, sorry, I'm not really sure yet. Do you have any accessibility needs? Or hey, I don't really know how to go about this. What would you suggest? Or I think as well, people with disabilities are very used to having to explain their accessibility needs as well. So they're not going to be sort of shocked when you ask. And I think it's, yeah, the exclusion of people is the bigger thing if they're like I'm standing I'm sitting here or standing here or I'm here and you're not even looking at me in the eye because you're scared to approach me I think that's the yeah and I think I mean it's obviously a bigger societal issue why you know people aren't so confident with interacting with people with disability 
But, you know, I think one of those things is that often people with disability, the, the businesses that are provide for them or everything like that have been so segregated for so long. They haven't been within sort of mainstream industries. And so, you know, businesses like ours, a lot of people haven't seen. And so if you don't know someone with a disability or have a disability yourself, then you've never sort of seen these kind of marketing or engaged with businesses that also, you know, employ people with disability or represent people with disability or provide other services and products that are for people with disability. So then you, what is your interaction with people with disability? You're basing it off movies and TV shows and everything like that. And so you aren't going to be as confident because you've never had that interaction before. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense. It's not acceptable, but it makes sense. But it's it's the way it is, yeah, unfortunately. Now, your label is stocked in the Iconic as part of their their adaptive edit, which is um, it it feels like a really great, great initiative. From your perspective, what are some of the mainstream brands, to your point, Emma, that you feel are doing a good job and being a bit more progressive in the way that they embrace inclusion? I think, so the one most people think of with inclusive clothing in particular is Tommy Hilfiger. So Tommy has really sort of paved the way for adaptive clothing in the mainstream around the world, particularly in America. You know, I think by them creating an adaptive clothing line really showed the mainstream fashion industry that big brands can be inclusive. And then other brands such as Nike, by creating, they have released, you know, different shoes over the last sort of five to 10 years that are inclusive of people with disability. And so I think by them producing products like that and sort of not being over the top and tokenistic about it either, like just being like, hey, look at this cool product and this is how it can benefit people. I think that really also just puts it into people's minds of, okay, these big brands need to be inclusive of the 15% globally and in Australia it's close to 20% that of the market and of consumers and of the population. So I think, yeah, those are two big brands that are really paving the way for other big brands to listen and to be able to start including people with disability. Yeah, great examples. And, and I feel like a measure of whether a brand is doing it for real or kind of ticking a box is whether they focus on the people they're solving for or trying to highlight the disability. <laughs> and on your website, you do such a, that photo shoot is just amazing because you've just got some really great people in there that you want to get know more about the people. You're not so worried about trying to work out what's the disability here? What's the story around the disability? It's like, I kind of want to get to know them as people. I think that's the thing that we often talk about. I think that's something that, yeah, a lot of sort of models with disability, it's always sort of that of, okay, now tell your story to the camera and we're going to put this like sad music over the top and we're going to say, make it really, you know, tragic and you've overcome this thing and you're a hero, but like they're just models that are working. So exactly, I think it's about the, yeah, exactly. Like it's not a what's happened. It's a just that they're a model showing off our our pieces of the heroes. <laughs> and yeah, like our clothing yeah. what we're marketing. And if you wouldn't expect that from the other models that don't have a disability there, why are you expecting it from these models? Yeah, exactly. Do you feel in the disability community like there is this burden? Because we've got some great role models out doing some brilliant things, telling their stories, getting Australian of the Year, all that sort of thing. (laughs) Do you feel like there's this pressure to kind of go, oh, I have to kind of stand up and be a representative and tell my story? And like, I don't know, is there that feeling at all? Or am I making that up? I don't know. I feel like though 
because it is like it shouldn't be that people have to be paving the way. But I think we're in a time when people are like Dylan Alcott <laughs> is paving the way. And so I think there's sort of it comes with that when you are like a trailblazer in any industry, you do have to be sort of the one that shows and shares and that sort of thing. So I guess from that perspective, it's because it is such a growing thing and it's all sort of changing that maybe you'd hope that in a few years, like you'd hope soon that the next people coming through the next models and the next people wouldn't have to do that. You've refreshed your website. The new range is about to drop. You've never had more customer service options. Hey, but take a look over there at that boring pile of packaging boxes. Ugh, ugly. Time to give that some love. Luckily, Packlio is here to bring some joy to your customer's delivery and unboxing experience. It's been ignored for way too long. With vibrant colors, cool designs, and eco-friendly credentials, there are no more excuses for boring boxes. Even better, Packlio is Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. There's nothing boring about that. Check out the Paclio range of e-commerce packaging options at paclio.com. That's Paclio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, paclio.com. If we take the conversation away from fashion and, and the, the solutions that you're creating for fashion, take a broader look at e-commerce, do you have any tips for e-commerce managers, founders out there, whether that be their website, their packaging, anything like that, that they can make their e-commerce experience more inclusive? One thing that's really easy to implement is on lots of website builders, there's widgets and sort of apps that you can install that are accessible. So we use one called Accessibly. Accessibly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's, they're sort of, you can have a free version or a paid version and they're something to really easily add on, which allows a person to customize your website as they require. So you can sort of make text larger. You can change the contrast. You can change the coloring so that it's easy for someone, um, say you with a vision impairment or sort of even people with intellectual disabilities can use a larger cursor to follow along with the writing or, so that's something that's super simple. I think on social media and on your images on your website or in your EDMs, having image descriptions and alt text is really important as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. I mean, another one most people always talk about that I feel like those tech ones are probably less obvious and it's really great to focus on those because people don't really consider that. And especially now with e-commerce, yeah, it's all online. And so everyone's moving towards the online shopping experience. So I think those are two really big points. But then we also obviously talk about, you know, in-store experience as well and even customer service as well. So, you know, the people that are providing the customer service being trained on how to interact with someone with a disability, how to interact with someone with a vision impairment that you need to describe the clothing to them or something like that. Um, You know, obviously everyone sort of considers physical access in their stores for a wheelchair user, but they often just think about, oh, how wide are the spaces? We also need to think about, well, what's that eye level for them? And can they reach things? How, when they go to pay, are they having to, can they reach the register? You know, there's so many things, accessible change rooms, stuff like that, that I think hopefully the industry as a whole will just become more educated on that. You know, there's great companies like Get Skilled Access, which is Dylan Alcott's company, and they provide training to an array of different businesses on how to be more accessible to people with disabilities. So even I know, Molly, you were talking about you've done their training once and they spoke about how if you were a shop assistant and someone with a vision impairment came into your store, rather than saying the greeting that everyone says to everyone, you know, how are you going today? 
well, how do they know that you're addressing them? You know, say, hi, sir, like, you know, and be more specific. Little things like that can make such a difference to someone returning to your brand and telling all their friends that may have a disability or a vision impairment, hey, this, these guys gave me a great experience either in-store or online. They're all going to go spend their money there. So I think businesses really need to start thinking about how they can just educate themselves more on how to provide that positive experience for consumers with a disability. Yeah. And it's really interesting is that we've had a few conversations on Add to Cart recently about solutions that haven't been around before. So whether that be plus size clothing or sustainability solutions or inclusive options, and you think, oh, this is nice. It's nice that there's a business doing this, but it's not just nice. Like there's a huge population or a huge segment of the market that it's actually a commercial opportunity as well. It's not just a nice thing to do, right? Mm, I think that's what we talk about all the time. It's, yeah, 15% globally of the population that you're excluding from being a purchaser of your business if you're not including them. And as Emma said, like, I think especially the disability community is very tight-knit, very small. And yeah, if someone finds something good, it spreads very quickly. And yeah, I think if you give someone a good experience, exactly, they're so happy to tell their friends. So yeah, it's a massive business opportunity, which is something quite foreign to us as occupational therapists as well. (laughs) (laughs) And as a very tight-knit community, you're going to get all that great feedback, right, that we talked about before. Have you got any comments that you were like, oh, that hit a nerve? Like something... Or has it all been very positive, very nice? We get quite specific. Sometimes we'll get quite specific requests, like for quite a specific prop, like purchase. or And I think that's ones when we're like, ooh, like we'll, we pop it on the list and we'll try and get to it. But it's sort of like, I need this specific thing. And we're like, oh, that's tricky when we're trying to make mass products. <laughs> or I even think of really early days after our first photo shoot. You know, we had everyone sharing pictures when we launched and stuff. And I remember seen this comment online someone had made because Jack and Maddie were in the pictures and one of them said that I remember it was Jack or Maddie didn't look very happy and we shouldn't be using that picture because they didn't look very happy and I thought well this is an accurate accurate representation of how we were presenting at that moment and you wouldn't say that again about a model that didn't have a disability and you don't know like that might be how their face like fits and you don't know what is happy or sad for them and so I remember at the start being like oh my gosh like oh no what have we done blah, blah, blah. and then yeah talking it through and being like okay one we can't get hung up on one comment online seeing things like that and we know our justification behind things and if we feel confident in our reasoning and what we believe then things like that won't be so hard to read but I mean we've been really really fortunate that we've never really received any uh, backlash or negative feedback about any of our products or anything like that so i think we've been very fortunate and yeah i don't think you've been fortunate but you've been you've done what you've done doing very yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> the magnetic i just remember the magnetic shirts have gotten a few funny comments about like <laughs> getting caught funny. on things or yeah yeah <laughs> my, my dad's the number one leader of that my dad went to a pub recently and the next day i got a message from him saying emma i got stuck to the beer tap I got stuck to my watch. I got stuck to someone else's watch. And I was like, well, you need to be more aware of your body in space. <laughs> people's, people's personal space. Stop standing yeah, close, exactly. so close to Why people's watches. So yeah. to everything. Like, it's a good excuse to be stuck to the fridge. I'm all right yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so 
you haven't just done okay. You you recently were featured at Australian Fashion Week and got a standing ovation, and I've only seen it on the Instagram reels, and it looks just phenomenal. What was your kind of first emotion when that show finished and was received so well? How did you feel in that moment? We were both, I think, very overwhelmed because obviously it was our, it was our first ever runway. Not only was like the first Australian Fashion Week, which is huge, it was our first runway ever. And so I think in the lead up, we were both sort of just getting through everything and teeing things off and making sure everything was ready. And we hadn't really thought about how we'd feel or how about how the crowd would feel or anything like that. And so I think we were both just so overcome and overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah, it was just unreal. So good. And as a result of that, has it opened up any more doors, opportunities that you weren't expecting? Definitely. I think just as most of the response from people and so many people within the fashion industry that have come to us and said, that was the most amazing show. Like I've seen, you know, it was so nice to feel, to feel like it was a really welcoming and inclusive environment and that they just hadn't considered that before and that, you know, they want to know more and they want to buy our products and this kind of thing. I think it's just really opened up the conversation about inclusive clothing and adaptive clothing to a huge proportion of the audience that would never have experienced that before had that understanding. So we've had a lot of emails, a lot of messages, a lot of yeah, conversations with people that I don't think would have ever come across our brand otherwise. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And just to finish off, Jack and Maddie, do they have a full wardrobe for life now of Jam the Label? <laughs> exactly. Free products for life. And I still see Jack quite frequently and I'm always like, I talked about you today and he just, yeah, he's so stoked because he, yeah, loves it. Absolutely loves it, which is good. Loved hearing your story today. And obviously we are just at the beginning and it's so exciting to see the inroads that you're making and the difference you're making in people's lives. But what do you prioritize next for yourselves and Jam the Label? Yeah, so as I said at the start, we're going to hire a fashion designer for Jam, which is really exciting. So we're finally going to expand the team because for the last three years, it's literally just been us two doing every single thing, which has been amazing and a lot of learning. But we know to grow, we need to be able to get experts into those positions. So um, we're going to be putting out a job, hopefully in the next fortnight, looking for a designer with disability to come on board. Um, so someone that can obviously bring that knowledge, but also that lived experience, which is really important. And yeah, really just expanding our product range is a huge priority for us. You know, it's not only do we want to, you know, have more funky options that reflect them personality, but we also think it's really important that people with disability have as much sort of choice and options as the consumer that doesn't have a disability. So yeah, we're really going to be expanding our product range, being more fashion forward and showing, yeah, Jam's unique style with, yeah, hiring a designer with disabilities. That's so good. Let's do a little job ad right here. Em will kill me because <laughs> our bread and butter, but let's do it here. So what are we looking for? Where, where are we based? What kind of hours? What kind of skill set do you want them to come from just in case they're listening? Yeah, so we are thinking at the moment probably part-time. We're based in Melbourne and we're looking for someone as obviously we do not come from a fashion background. So we're looking for someone ideally with a sort of a few years experience under their belt, someone that can sort of help to shape jam and sort of, yeah, take the reins a little bit on that side of things. Be a bit of an all-rounder, you know, be able to help us from like the concept to the finished product and really, yeah, be involved in the whole processes of um, product creation. What an exciting opportunity. Yeah. 
they've got to work collaboratively with us, which who knows, <laughs> depends who it is. <laughs> yeah. Mike, we, yeah. We've worked together for 40 minutes at the moment. Yeah. It's been pretty good so far. You can be our, refer- our reference, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the best way for anyone who's getting in touch, whether that be applying for a position or just reaching out to see if they can help or spread the word. Would either be our email, hello at jamblabel.com or our Instagram at jamblabel um, and just send us a DM and we'll be on top of it. How good. <laughs> Emma and Molly, congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. I can't wait to hopefully check back in and see how far further it's gone and well done. You're um, a shining light. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Now, if you are inspired by that chat, as promised, Add to Cart listeners can get 10% off store-wide at Jamble Label by using the code Add to Cart, or one word, Add to Cart, at the checkout on jamblelabel.com. Go check it out. Some really cool stuff on there. Now, as well as evolving my entire worldview on accessibility, here are three big takeaways from today's chat with Molly and Emma. Number one, do a quick website accessibility test. It won't take long for you, and it'll mean the world for those with accessibility issues trying to do business with you. Take a look at tools such as Accessibility, which Molly and Emma both mention, and enables you to increase text size and cursors amongst other features. It will probably take you less than an hour to understand the areas that you can make improvements. Number two, design for what's right in front of you. Molly and Emma weren't fashion designers, but they saw Jack and Maddie who had a problem that they dealt with every day that they felt they could solve, even if they didn't have the experience to do it all by themselves. We all probably have tens of business opportunities around us every day if we just look at it and think of the solutions that we can build. Number three, we've got to speak up for accessibility. You don't have to be an expert on disability to help facilitate inclusion and improve the experience for the one in five Aussies who have a disability. Individuals are experts on their own challenges. So whether it's a photo shoot, a meeting, or anything else where we're dealing day to day with people who may have accessibility issues, just ask them what they need. No need to feel awkward if your intentions are good. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency, connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.